peace of Christ be with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and especially if you're visiting with us today, we're so glad that you are here with us. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a black folder. It's our friendship pad. We'd love to have you fill it out and let us know that you're here with us today, whether you're visiting or whether you're new with us. The announcements are inside of the bulletin. We are celebrating our 100th anniversary as a church this year, and in September, we are having a gala dinner at the Hotel Laguna. And so the tickets for that uh, dinner are going on sale today. They will be sold only on the internet. So you can go home and you can do that on your own computer. If you have trouble using the internet, there is somebody that is going to have, that will have a laptop after the service and will help you over in Tankersley Hall buy tickets. We have 300 tickets. They probably eventually will sell out, but you probably don't have to make a beeline and knock one another down on the way to get them this morning. Um, I'm going to just buy mine this afternoon when I get home, but if that's difficult for you, feel free to do that today, and people will help you do that. We hope that everyone will be able to be there. It will be a wonderful celebration, and this is the, the Hotel Laguna is being very generous to us for that evening. Our third Friday group invites you to join them this Friday for a catered dinner at uh, the Three Arch Bays Clubhouse. We are out on the lawn. It is every, every June we do this lovely meal that is from Tacos and Company. It is great Mexican food. And we would love to have you there. It is a great way to meet people. It is a very casual evening. There is no agenda except eating and getting to know one another that evening. And so just come and keep eating. Uh, it, we do hope that you'll join us. You do have to make reservations because it's a gated community and you can't get in if we don't have your name to give to the guards. Uh, also, you can see that at the end of this month, two weeks from today, we are celebrating 100 years of weddings here. If you were married here in, this, in our church or by any one of our present pastors or former pastors, we want to celebrate you on that day in both services and with a little reception after second service. Let people know that you know who were married here and invite them to be here that day. You can see the other things that are happening in the months to come about our anniversary, too. Our preschool open house is this Wednesday. They would love to have you stop by and visit. The preschool is over that direction, and one of the great things about the spring open house is they put up pictures of every graduating class from all the years. And so all the way around, you will see pictures of children, some of whom are people that you know now as grown-ups, and you can see them when they were three years old. It is very wonderful to see those pictures. That is Wednesday night. Just drop by if you can. And our children are signing up for Vacation Bible School and for Camp H2O this summer. Uh, will Clark, one of our high schoolers, is doing a food drive out on the patio today of non-perishable food for the uh, Friendship Shelter. If you saw it in the e-blast, you perhaps brought some canned food that you can leave there. If you didn't see it to, so that you would come prepared, you could give him a check and he can explain to you how to make that out so that it goes to the right place. Or you can bring food Monday or Tuesday of this week to the office and he will manage to get it there to the shelter uh, as part of this project. This week, two of our longtime members and servants of the church passed into the presence of the Lord. Arnita Smith-Jens, who was our first preschool director, passed away. She was age 93 when she died. And also Bunny Niece Turner, 
who for 20 years was one of the administrative assistants in the office, passed away. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let us pray. Holy One, in whom we know the maker of all things seen and unseen, the Savior of all, both near and far, by your Spirit enable us so to worship you that with all the company of heaven we may magnify your name, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Glory to you, O Lord Most High. Amen. The words of the Apostle Paul call us to worship. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. O Father, who created us in love, create us in love as we worship you. O Jesus Christ, who redeemed this world in love, reclaim our hearts as we worship you. O Holy Spirit, who moves this world toward its God-appointed end, move within us as we worship you. Amen. God in three persons, blessed Trinity, holy, 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 we sing together. Holy, holy, holy.
Holy God, holy and mighty, holy immortal one, have mercy upon us. Triune God, we praise you as the God of love and life. Though Jesus prayed that we would be one, we confess that we fail to live in unity with each other and with you. We break our communion through hostile words and unkind actions. We long for your Spirit to heal us and to correct us. We long for you to help us experience communion with you and with each other as we gather around your Word and table. Even now, dependent on your grace, we commit ourselves to live more fully in the unity you desire. We offer our personal and silent confession. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Sisters and brothers, in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
today we celebrate Trinity Sunday. Each year, the Sunday right after Pentecost, when we celebrate that our one God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, we hear a lot about Father, the Creator. We hear a lot about the Son, whom we know through Jesus of Nazareth. But we don't know an awful lot about the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of mystery, it seems, around the Holy Spirit. Um, few of us will probably ever have an ecstatic experience like the apostles had on that first Pentecost Sunday morning when they spoke in all sorts of different languages and when there were flames of fire. But we all know the quiet working of the Holy Spirit if you didn't, you probably wouldn't even be here this morning. This summer, we will be looking at the book of Acts, and we will be looking at how the Holy Spirit is in action throughout that book. Some people who uh, think that the book should be called not the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as through those early years of the church, the Spirit directed the early Christians to preach and to teach and added to the church many people who came to believe in Jesus. The day of Pentecost uh, was a Jewish harvest festival, and it also was a day when they celebrated that day when God had given the law at Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments, written on those tablets of stone. Jesus, by the time we got to the day of Pentecost, had died. He had risen from the dead. He had ascended into heaven, and though he is no longer physically with his disciples. He promised that he would be with them through the spirit that he would send and which he has sent on Pentecost. So Pentecost, the disciples find themselves overwhelmed by this great wind of the spirit that comes upon them. The text that I'm going to read today is the text of the sermon that the Holy Spirit directed Peter to preach on that day. As far as we know, it is the first sermon that the new Christian community preached after Jesus had ascended back into heaven. So Peter starts with what they know. He starts with the Old Testament, with prophets in the Old Testament, and this sermon became a model for the way later sermons would be throughout the book of Acts. But even though they knew very much about these, sermon, these uh, prophecies that he will talk about, they're pretty unfamiliar to us. So I am going to read this scripture in three sections and talk about each section <clears throat> after I do that. Hear the word of God. At, uh, beginning with Acts 2, chapter, uh, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they will prophesy, they will show and I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great 
and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bob Dylan was in the news this week in order to receive the uh, Nobel Peace Prize that he had been awarded in literature, he had to uh, present a lecture. And he presented that lecture about how he saw folk singing as literature. In 1962, the 21-year-old Dylan sang, How many roads can a man walk down before you can call him a man? And how many seas must a white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Yes, how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friends, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. 35 years after that, Dylan sang that song at a Roman Catholic conference. And Pope John Paul II said, the answer really is in the wind, but it's not just any wind. It is the wind of the Holy Spirit that leads us to Christ. When we were in Israel, uh, one of the places that we went that I had not been before was the Valley of the Wind. It is a valley that runs westward from the Sea of Galilee over to the Mediterranean Sea. And yes, the wind blows through there from the Mediterranean, and that is one of the winds that sometimes whips up storms on the Sea of Galilee. It is a place where we know that Jesus surely walked because it is the Via Maris, it is the way of the sea, and everyone who went anywhere out of Galilee would have walked that way. So we can be sure that Jesus walked there. Our uh, guide, a wonderful Israeli guide, she just loved periodically to teach us new words or to explain to us what some of the phrases in Scripture meant. So when we were there, she taught us the Hebrew word ruach. Ruach is spirit or wind or breath. And it is the word that is used in Hebrew to talk about the Spirit of God throughout the Old Testament. So she loved to every once in a while mention, uh, as she was talking about something in the Old Testament, there's the Ruah again. There's God's Spirit again. The Ruah. Look, there's the Ruah. See what the Ruah did as, uh, throughout the Old Testament. So I, we are very mistaken if we think that Pentecost is the first time that the Holy Spirit sort of showed up. But rather, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit have all been active all, all since, can you say the beginning of eternity? Since eternity, since long before time. It was the wind of God, the Spirit, the Ruach, that hovered over the waters at creation. It was the wind of God that breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life and made us human, made us different than the animals. It was the wind of God after the flood and Noah that blew over the flooded earth and that dried up that water. It was the wind of God in the Exodus that blew apart the Red Sea so that the people could walk through on dry ground. It was the wind of God that from time to time throughout the Old Testament would come upon a king or a prophet or a priest and would fill them to do some special particular thing for God at that time, a, a temporary kind of filling that the Holy Spirit seemed to do in the Old Testament. It was the wind of God that, we, that was seen at Jesus' baptism, remember, as a dove. It was the wind of God that led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted 
and continued to lead him throughout his earthly life. And it was that same wind of God that the prophet Joel was talking about in the text that I read. He had predicted that in the last days, the Holy Spirit would not empower just a few, not just a king here and a prophet there and a priest there, and not temporarily, but rather that he would empower ordinary people, slaves and free, young and old, male and female, women, can you imagine? But that is a sermon for a different day, isn't it? We won't do that one today. So on this Pentecost, when Jews were celebrating God's giving originally of the Ten Commandments on those stone, on those stone tablets, God, by his Spirit, came to live within human hearts and to write his word, his law, on our hearts, no longer an external thing, but now living within human hearts and minds. That's the scripture that Steve read at the end of confession. Peter declared, that's what you've seen and heard. All of these flames, all of these languages that we've been speaking in, God has kept his promise to pour out his spirit. And you've seen it happen today. If this is because this is part of the last days, the days when Messiah is going to come. Peter goes on and then uses some of the Psalms written by David that, the, that, ex, that um, Peter goes on to use that to talk about that the Messiah really has come. Beginning with verse 22. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently that our ancestor David, about our ancestor David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you have both seen and heard. For David did not ascend into the heavens, as Jesus has, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God had made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus, whom you crucified. A thousand years before Peter's speaking, 
the great David, the shepherd boy, the psalm writer, the great king, had been promised by God the Father that one of David's descendants would eventually be the Messiah. Peter quotes some of David's psalms, predicting that that promised Messiah would not decay in the grave, that death could not hold him, that he would rise. Peter reminds them that death was able to hold David, that David is buried, and you can go see his tomb anytime you want to. The only one that death could not hold was Jesus himself. For Peter, this is proof that Jesus is that Messiah that David was talking about. He is the one that God has sent. This Jesus, now ascended into heaven, is the one who has poured out this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, that very morning upon us. But, Jesus, but Peter also does not mince words. You notice that he says, Let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now we have to be careful with this text because this text has been used to justify persecuting Jews. It has been carried far from its, yeah, far from its original intent. Peter himself was a Jew. Peter himself, with love for his people, is saying out of love and out of desire for them to come to know Jesus, not out of judgment. You need to understand what your role has been in this, and you need to change. It is not one that we or anyone else can use to bash Jewish people. Continue reading at verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and that you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed this message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Just as we pray that God will speak through the person preaching, and that God will speak to the people listening. So that's what was going on when Peter was talking. God's Spirit, that gave Peter the words to say, was also the one who was moving the hearts of the people who heard him, who heard him explain that they had crucified the long-awaited Messiah, the one that they had waited and the one that they had hoped for. And they said, is there any hope for us? What can we do? You've got to tell us how we can fix this. Certainly, if anybody knew what to do, it was Peter. Because Peter had been there. Peter had denied Jesus three times. And he had been forgiven. He knew that God offers another chance. So Peter tells them to repent. Repentance is not just regret. They already had regret. They had plenty of that. Repent is a word that means to turn around 
and to go the other direction. It is about changing the way you have been going and going instead God's way. To, we, we do that is a place to begin, isn't it? But it's also a place to continue. It happens surely every day. Sort of a course correction when God's spirit says to you, whoop, turn around and go my direction, doesn't it? Probably multiple times a day. A way that God leads us to repent, maybe for the first time, but also all the time throughout our lives, and to go into his direction. To open ourselves afresh to the way the Holy Spirit is wanting to change our hearts and change our lives. How would those early disciples, as Jesus' followers, manage to live without his visible, physical presence? How do we manage to do that? Jesus has gone away. He is seated at the Father's right hand. But his Holy Spirit is with them now and forever. Jesus going away, in some sense, is his coming. Because now he is with them continually. He's not just one place at a time, as he was when he had a physical body. But he can be everywhere at once. He can be with them wherever they go. We live in Joel's last days, the age of the Spirit. And by his Spirit, he is sometimes noisily, but often very quietly working on our hearts and our minds, forming our lives, calling us to turn again and again back to his way, leading us and continuing to work in us and through us in the world around us. It's by his spirit that we experience his presence here in worship. It's by his spirit that we experience his presence as we come to the table today, it's by his spirit that we sense that he is truly feeding us as we come to the table. May I be and may we all be people who continue to be open to the wind, to the ruah of God's spirit, and to all that he wants to do in us and through us till his work on earth is done. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith in the triune God, in the words of the Apostles' Creed, where we declare our faith in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated, and let's bring to the Lord our morning offering.
offering this morning is really a prayer. A prayer to the Holy Spirit. That we would be Christ's body here on earth to do his work, the Father's work in this world. So hear these words. Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into our willing souls. Bring the presence of the risen Christ. Come renew our hearts and make us whole. Cause your word to come alive in us. Give us faith for what we cannot see. For your purity, Holy Spirit, breathe new life in us. Holy Spirit, come abide within. May your joy be seen in all we do. Love enough to cover Gospel John says that God is spirit, and those who worship the Lord must worship in spirit and in truth. The Apostle Paul said that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And along with the freedom generated by the Holy Spirit, the Lord grows the fruit of the spirit in our life. And one of those major fruits that the Apostle names in his letter to the Galatian church was generosity. So I want to thank you for your generosity, for your witness inspired by the Spirit. Last Sunday morning, Gus Altazara said we needed to catch about 153 more fish to finish up our building debt. Well, we are moving in on that target, and we are almost there, and hoping at the same time 
to replenish the reserves that we have had to draw upon in order to uh, meet our debts. But God is good, and I believe that soon we will have good news on all fronts. So thanks be to God, and you will hear more later. We bring our gifts to the Lord. Let us pray. God of faithfulness, God of generous love, God who, who at his very heart is the spirit of the gift, we thank you that your spirit is alive and at work in the church and in the world, building your kingdom, building your church, empowering the witness of the church to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and to his promise coming. We thank you that it is the spirit that woos us and draws us to this table as we present our offerings and as we commune with you, Lord Jesus, and with one another in your body and blood. This we pray in your name. Bless us. Amen. Go forth in the name of God, the creator, whose strength empowers us. Go forth in the name of Christ, the risen redeemer, whose love transforms us. And go forth in the name of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach, whose presence guides us. Amen. <laughs>